0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, January 27th, 2022. Do you believe that God has been gracious to you? Do you believe that God has treated you better than your sins deserve? Have you seen God be merciful to you in situations that are difficult? I would hope the answer, if you are a believer to all of those questions, is yes. And you can see that in your own life. And also, we get glimpses of how God does that throughout the scriptures. And today, really, I think we get several glimpses into that. And so, we want to look at that, especially starting in our Old Testament passage today, Genesis 28 through 30. And so, yesterday, we read about Jacob deceiving his father, Isaac, and... Uh, seeing him pretend to be his brother, right? And steal his brother's blessing. Uh, But then in in chapter 28 now, we see him sent away. We, We know from the end of chapter 27, this is kind of at his mother's request because she's afraid Esau is going to kill Jacob in anger. So he is sent away uh, to go seek a wife, not from the Canaanites, uh, but really from kind of his father's family, extended family. And so he is sent away to his uncle Laban's. And on the way, he sees this vision, this vision that has become famous. You know, we see, uh, you know, he sees a ladder going up to heaven and angels ascending and, and descending on it and the Lord standing above it. And look though at what the Lord says in verse 13. He says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in his place, and I did not know it. And so there really, you see God affirming now what he said to Abraham and what he said to Isaac, and now he is saying it to Jacob, just the promises about the descendants and even the reiteration of all the families on earth in you being blessed. Now let's just pause and think for a second, what happened again in chapter 27? Jacob stole his brother's blessing through deceit. And now in the next chapter, God is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your descendants. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed in you. On some level, shouldn't that shock us? I mean, shouldn't we expect God to show up saying, you rascal, you scoundrel, you lied to your blind old father. You stooped to subterfuge to steal your brother's Blessing. Who does that? What a sinner you are, right? Would not God have been totally justified to say that? And so I do think in seeing. God say this to him, we are seeing an act of grace. We are seeing God treat Jacob better than he deserves. And really, it's worth noting that these promises to Abraham, these promises to Isaac, these promises to Jacob are really based more on the loving kindness and the grace of God than they are on the character of any of those three men. Now, while especially in the New Testament, again, Hebrews 11 is a cross-reference that'll come up a lot as we go through the book of Genesis, right? All three of these men in different ways are affirmed as an example of faith, but we also see their sin. We see their failures and we're reminded that really it depends on the promises of God and not on them. And God treated all three of them better than they deserved. Now, can you identify with that in some way? Should not God come to you and say, you scoundrel, you rascal, right? You have done uh, horrible things, but God through the gospel is giving us promises that are so much better than we deserve. So I hope as you read that about Jacob, you can, to some extent, identify, no, no, you don't have the promises of of the land and the descendants uh, that he had. But God has been better to you than you deserve and that you should be able to relate to. We also see God's mercy, even some in this back and forth then that we get into a very odd situation that we would hopefully look at from our perspective with um, Leah and Rachel and these multiple wives and then giving their servants to Jacob as more wives, trying to have all of these children, right? And in all of that, notice again God's grace to people. Consider God's grace to Leah. I mean, put yourself in in her shoes, right? We think of people being sensitive about their appearance. Well, basically, it's been recorded in Scripture that Leah wasn't as pretty as her sister so that people thousands of years could read about it. Especially ladies, how would you like that? Not so much, I'm guessing. And even how how would she feel, you know, in their culture, passed over by this man for her younger sister? And, and even that her father has to stoop to his own level of deceit to get Jacob to marry Leah, uh, right? All of that can't make Leah feel very good. Uh, but even in all of this, as you look at the uh, the children that are born, look at what it even says in chapter 29, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. I love how it's, it specifically says God did this when he saw that Leah was hated, right? Uh, Jacob, clearly, he wanted Rachel. Uh, he, that's who he had worked the seven years for. He gets Leah as a trick. And I mean, talk about getting your comeuppance. He, he's getting what he dealt there. Uh, God really is bringing that back around to him. But then Leah is, is suffering in the midst of, Of that, and God sees her suffering and He shows her the mercy of having children. I think we should see that as a gracious act of God. And then, even Rachel in verse 22 of chapter 30, it says, Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. Well, I don't think she's really been a model in all of this, right? She's, uh, Hey, take my servant, let her have kids. I don't think that's God's design, right? She's trying to get an end around of uh, really what what God is doing in this situation and taking matters into her own hands. But even in the midst of all that, God remembers her. And and then even God remembers Jacob uh, really through blessing him with all the uh, really economic prosperity he's going to get through this situation. So in all of this, I think we see God being gracious in these different ways to these people. And I think as we read that, hopefully we can identify with that. I'm a scoundrel, but God has been good to me. Or like Leah, you've been in situations where you can say, man, this is a hard situation. But God in that he, he's seeing my suffering and he's, he's remembering me as he did to Leah and as he did to Rachel. And hopefully in a response to that, we can all be praising God, not only for what we see in Genesis, but what we have seen him do in our own lives as well. Now we move on to the New Testament, where we're going to look at two passages today, Mark 3, 13 through 19 and Luke 6, 12 through 16. And both of these passages are accounts of Jesus, you know, naming and calling the 12 disciples, the, really the 12 apostles. And it gives their names in each of these passages. And now again, uh, God is showing grace really to all of uh, these individuals, right? They're not chosen based on their own merits. Really, God is, is calling them to his side. A couple things I find interesting as I read through these passages in the Luke portion, it mentions in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12. So what did Jesus do before he chose the 12 disciples? He spent all night praying. And I think on some simple level, it's an example of Jesus making one of the biggest decisions he was going to make in his earthly ministry in life. And he precedes that big decision with a lot of prayer. I think that's a good example for us to pray as we consider big decisions, um, to to pray as we do the most important things we're going to do in our lives also in this, I mean, we talk a lot even now about discipleship. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the example of Jesus and from the great commission of Jesus, make disciples. And here we get a sense even of how he did that. In the Mark passage, in verse 14, it says, he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. And there you you see... Just some of the basics of the method of discipleship, right? He is being with them, right? He is seeking to teach them as they, to some extent, do life together, right? He wanted to train these men to invest in these men and then to send them out to do ministry themselves. And that is still really the, the basics and the basis of the model that he is calling us to to the present day, to make disciples, to, to be with one another uh, and be with others in an effort to then send them out to do what what God is calling us to do and to reach more people for Christ. So there we see just some of the example of Christ. And instead of just, you know, hey, turning this into a trivia lesson of who can name the 12 apostles, I think we see some things about how Jesus did ministry that are instructive For us, And even as we think about Jesus doing ministry, again, like we saw yesterday, he cared about people. And especially as we saw in the Old Testament today, God cares. God shows grace to people that don't deserve it. God shows compassion to people in difficult situations. And he still does that today. And we should all be able to identify with that. And I hope we are truly grateful uh, and thanking God for that today.